Hello, everybody. This is John Fenn, Church Without Walls International, CWOWI.org. We are a house church network. We celebrate the gathering of saints by meeting in homes, where possible rotating each week who is hosting, and where possible rotating who leads each week. That way, because everyone is has Christ in them, the hope of glory, he is doing amazing things in our lives. And so each person has the opportunity as they want. It's not required. It's not forced. But as they want to share, they can share a verse. They can share a revelation. They can share something they learned that will bless everybody. And then even just one verse or one comment so often leads to like an hour long or 90 minute long discussion and study, and everybody's so blessed. So we follow the Acts 2.42, four things that they mentioned in Acts 2.42, which they were in the steadfastly, which is important. That means purposely in the apostles' teaching, fellowship, food, and prayer. So we're all taught by what the Lord is doing in each other's lives. It's not sermon-oriented. All right, I want to get right into this. Today, talking about those who have special children, or disabled adults, or uh, the handicapped, as it has been called in times past. And I want to share from this because, I don't know, it came up recently and, and some things in our own lives that has just brought it to mind even more. Many of you will know that our oldest son, Chris, was born with the umbilical cord around his neck in a slipknot, as it turned out, and he was delivered by emergency C-section but has brain damage as a result. As of this recording, Chris is 43 years old, but mentally about four. And this is important. He is, he is the most friendly, outgoing kid in a 43-year-old body you'll ever want to meet. It's just we have been on that level of four years old since he was about four years old. And he was at home for the first 24 years of his life. But uh, soon when his little brothers went off to school and everything, we realized that he was full-time care, and we had to put a roof over our heads. And so we made the most difficult decision of our lives, which was to put him in a group home. And he wasn't doing well after just a lot of effort over about four years. And so we decided to move close to him. And so that's where we have been uh, the last uh, however many years it's been. So we bring Chris home on Fridays and uh, return him to the group home on Saturdays. And he always looks forward to traveling around with dad, running errands, going to the different stores. All the clerks know us and, uh, and, and all the way, <laughs> the waiters, waitress, whatever at the little cafe or burger joint, they all know Chris because he, he's never met a stranger. He's never met a dog. He hasn't, he doesn't like, you know, I mean, he's just outgoing, but. Chris also loves the Lord. And I want to share not just him, but there's another guy named Will who uh, I've shared a little bit in my book, Pursuing the Seasons of God, uh, about. And if you email me at cwowi at aol.com, that's cwowi at aol.com, I'll be happy to, to upload the PDF of that book, Pursuing the Seasons of God, or Return to the First Church, which is my journey to house church. But my point is first about Chris and then Will. Uh, first, when Chris was about 21 years old, he came crawling down the hallway. He could crawl kind of army man style, pull himself along. And he, he went, Dad, Dad, know what Jesus said to me? I said, I was sitting there on the sofa. I said, no, Chris, what, what did Jesus say? And he's crawling down the hallway, gotten out of bed by himself and crawling down the hallway because uh, normally he's in a, in a wheelchair. And he's pulling himself along. He's so excited. 
Jesus said, he's going to walk through the mountains with me. Yep, that's what he said. All right. He's going to walk through the mountains with me. Yoo-hoo, isn't that great? He's going to walk through the mountains with me. Yep, that's what Jesus said. All right. And he's just crawling along, talking like that. And I'm so excited. And like I said, that was when he was 21. Now he's 43. And, and let me say this. I, I know many people are well-meaning, well-intentioned about healing. Uh, this is an injury, so there's no not deliverance, so there's no demon involved. It's an injury, not a demonic thing. Um, and, and trust me, the Lord has appeared to me, as, as you know, if you know me regularly since 1986, usually half a dozen times or, or whatever, uh, very often during the year. And he and I have had this discussion, so please don't email me and suggest treatments and new things with brain injuries and and do all this, because I've been there, done that. So at at this point, you have to understand, too, where Chris is. Chris is quite content, and he's looking forward to heaven. He knows that when he, in fact, he's seen kids on TV and said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to run like that. Uh, Even though every night when he's home, I say, by his stripes, and Chris always answers, I was healed. That concept is is hidden from him, is kept from him because of his brain damage. He doesn't understand time. I'll say, I'll see you on Friday. He says, okay, see you tomorrow. Uh, so there are just things lost in translation there. Uh, all of that to say that Chris loves the Lord. We always He always reaches out his hand. He, can, he only has the use of his right hand uh, because of a stroke he had when he was uh, 17, on top of everything else because of a stroke he had when he was 17. So he just has it right hand. He'll grab my hand and say, let's pray. So we pray for the person in the ambulance going by. So Chris is, thinks through things, and uh, I've shared before how I was having a pity party and, and talking to the father and just saying, you know, how can I run a ministry and have Chris two days a week? And, you know, these are my days off, you know, that I, and they're spent caring for Chris. It's, you know, the, a, an adult four-year-old. And uh, Barbara and I are, you know, that's what we, we do and, and kind of having a pity party. And, and, and at that time, when I was having this little pity party, Chris uh, was sitting uh, on the toilet. He was getting dressed for the day, having taken him out of his bath and bathed and shaved him and all that. And just as I'm having that pity party with the Lord saying, Father, what am I, a beast of burden? And just then Chris reaches out his hand and pats the top of my head and says, you're a good horse. And so I know the Father used him to prophesy to me, which is a word of edification, exhortation, or comfort. And he, you know, he said, you're a good horse. So he is both the biggest burden and and the biggest joy in our lives. And he definitely hears from the Lord. But I, I, but many people, frankly, many people are uncomfortable with the disabled, the, what we used to call the mentally retarded, the, those who uh, are suffering physically and, and many people have a disconnect. But I want you to think that that how the Father God is a master at using whatever the devil may do to turn it around for God's glory. And 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 I could sit here and say, okay, Barbara and I are better people and, and everything because of Chris. That wasn't the Father's original intent. He's just making use of a bad situation. You know, I often say this, and, you know, it, it it's so true, that oftentimes God is not in the event, but he's found in our response to the event. And that is so much with the, the tragedies of life, the frailty of the human body, uh, all the different things. Oftentimes, the Lord is not in a tragedy, of course, he, he, but he's in our response. He can be found in the response, the aftermath of that, to turn it around for his glory, to bring peace and comfort. 
So with that, I want to shift gears because when we roll around, when Chris and I roll around and go into a store and everything, you can tell some people who are not bothered at all and other people who are bothered by anybody in a wheelchair or handicapped or anything like that. But I, but so I'm looking to how does the father turn these things around? How, what, what use does he make of, of them? And that brings me to a man named Will. When I was on staff at a large church in Tulsa, uh, I was one of the, the leaders. I guess by the bylaws, I would have been an elder. And the church was over 10,000 people at the time. And there was this man, a deaf mute man, who loved the Lord. His name was Will. And Will was a type of guy who would come down front for every altar call. Every, every service at the church had some sort of altar call either for receiving the Lord or for prayer for a problem or something. So pastor actually asked me because I had purposely paid attention to Will and greeted him and because, you know, my own handicapped son, and he could somehow relate to Chris. He realized Chris was, he'd see Chris and I roll in in the wheelchair and Barb and Chris and I roll in and he would try to come over and he'd make motions and smile. And so there was that camaraderie and pastor had observed that. And pastor had actually asked me to to talk to him or to try to communicate to him that he doesn't have to come down front for every altar call because <laughs> the pastor would say, okay, we're going to pray for all the women who are having trouble conceiving. Would you just come down front here? And, and my wife and, and so, the ladies of the church will pray for you. And there would come Will right down front. <laughs> he was he was deaf mute. He just knew he wanted more of the Lord. You know, if you're having trouble with drugs or alcohol or any other sort of addiction or thing that you want to deal with, here, come down front. I'm going to lay hands on you. Here comes Will. You know, um, so pastor said, you know, could you communicate to him that he, he doesn't really have to come down to everyone? So that little way I got to know Will a little bit. So anyway, one day, this is when the church met in um, um, Oral, Robert Uni- Oral Roberts University's basketball arena before they built their own building. And that meant that the platform and where the pastor was in the pulpit was down on a basketball floor that was temporarily covered with carpet. And then the people sat up in the arena around so that if you're in church, you're actually looking down at the worship team and the pastor as you're seated in the arena. So one day I, I came in, uh, I didn't have any responsibilities that day. I normally sit in the front uh, row or two just because of my position. But this day I didn't have any responsibilities. So I, I sat back uh, at the mezzanine level up high. And uh, during the worship suddenly, and, and I saw who down front and I saw Will, I saw this deaf mute man and his hands were raised up and he was worshiping and he was twisting at the waist in such joy. And about the time that caught my curiosity, I suddenly, my eyes were open to the realm of the Lord, and I saw the shaft of light coming down over Will. And I saw the Father's words coming down that shaft of light, and I could hear his voice as I read them. And he was saying, my son, I appreciate your hard work and all that you do, and know that in the ages to come, you'll be a teacher of many. Many will come and sit at your feet and learn of you. I appreciate your love. I appreciate your hard work. And all these words were coming down and Will was just enthralled. He was just ecstatic. He was twisting at the waist. He was, you could see he was so far, I was behind him, but he was twisting so far. I could see the smile on his face. He was twisting so hard. And I just thought this deaf mute is so full of joy. And the father God is talking to him, just pouring this into his spirit, but he has no way to communicate it out. And I said, father, I said, why don't you, why don't you heal why don't you heal Will? And just like that, the father quipped back. He said, he said, I enjoy his worship. And I said, but father, I said, think about, 
think about he's probably getting uh, government money. He's probably just living a subsistence life. Think about jobs and career and, and, and everything that he could have in life if you healed him. And he was almost, the father was almost indignant in his reply. He said, he said it rather sternly. He said, I see to it. He gets everything he needs. Very firmly like that. Not angrily, but just very firmly. I see to it. He gets everything he needs. And I said a third time, I said, Father, I said, think about everything he's he's missing in life. I mean, travel and home and family and different things in life he could experience that, that you know, if he, you healed him, he could experience that. I mean, Will's probably about 35 or 40 years old at that time, you know, and I was just thinking all this and the father responded right back and he said this, he, he said, uh, he said, he, um, he talked about his worship, he said that he, the first he said, I see to it, he gets everything he needs. And then when I said that part about home and family and, and marriage and everything else, and he said this, he said, he finds his fulfillment in me. And I said, Father, I said, I, I, I understand that. But I said, you know, think about all he could have if you healed him. And think about what an amazing thing it would be, a church of this size and a deaf mute, someone who's documented and known, what, what it would mean to everybody to, to see him healed. And he spoke this, and this was the last time he said this. He said, he said, no one greets him when he comes in, nor says goodbye to him when he leaves. Therefore, I have set him in their midst as an example and a testimony, example to them and a testimony against them against that last day. Therefore, they will come and sit at his feet and learn of him. And that was the end of it. I didn't have the guts to challenge the father anymore. That was the end. So I say that, and I don't often include that last part about how the Lord didn't cause Will to be deaf mute. I, I understand that. But how he uses whatever the devil had planned to get for his glory. And what an interesting thing that there's probably four or 5,000 people in the congregation that day. And he said, I've set him in their midst as an example to them and a testimony against them on that last day for no one greets him when he comes in or says goodbye to him when he leaves. Therefore, they will come and sit at his feet and learn of him. A couple months later, I was in a fast food place getting lunch and here comes Will. He'd been cleaning the lobby area where people had had their lunch hour. He was cleaning it and he motioned to me and everything. And he was all excited and he saw me. Finally, the manager came over and I said, I don't understand what he's saying. And the manager said, oh, he, he wants to show you his hard work. He wants to show you out back how he arranged the boxes and cleaned the back area so well. And so I was given a tour of the store and all of Will's work. And I remembered the father saying, the first thing he said is, my son, I appreciate your hard work. And, and I just think how good the father is. You just don't know what the father is communicating to one of those people's spirits. So maybe just sharing my story and, and experience will, will just set some priority and perspective for you. Anyway, hope it's a blessing. God bless. CWOWI.org.